This is the Hidden Why podcast episode 905. This is a repeat episode, guys. It's my interview with Paul Jarvis. We're discussing his book, The Company of One. Enjoy. G'day, Paul, and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thank you very much for having me on. Great to have you here, and um, look, congratulations. You've just just about to publish a book. Um, by the time this episode launches, it, it may have just published. Uh, Company of One, Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing. And the topic that we wanted to talk about today, I suppose aligned with the book, is enough. Tell us a little bit about what that topic means to you, enough. Yeah, so many years ago I was out surf. I live in a surf town in Canada, which a lot of people, especially Australians, find funny because it's cold. <laughs> that is bloody hilarious. I'm not a surfer, but I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I got used to wearing a six mil wetsuit and have quite a bit of paddle power because of it. But I was out surfing with my buddy uh, one day, he's a South African accountant, and it was like September or October. And we were waiting in the lineup where, where you wait to catch waves at, like out in the water. And he was like, dude, I've made about enough for the year. And then he takes off on a wave. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> like, I don't understand what that means. And then he paddled back around after he caught the wave. And he started to talk to me about that. And he's like, well, I know how much I need to make in my business. Like, I know how much business it needs to do to cover my life, to make me comfortable, to put money into savings and all of that. He's like, if I work more it's diminishing returns. He's like, I would have more stress, more responsibilities. I would have to work more when I want to take time off and do other things with my life as well. Hmm. And I thought thought about that and I was like, I've kind of been running my business this way too, but he just explained it in such a, (laughs) in a much better way than I'd ever thought about it. And then that from, from that point forward, that's how I was kind of, that's how I kind of considered my business was less of I just want more and more and more, which there's no upper bounds to that. So it's really hard to achieve something that's constantly moving like the horizon and instead started to focus on, well, what do I need? Like what's enough right? in, in all aspects uh, of the work that I do? And that kind of became the like touchstone word for, for my business moving forward. And then for the book. That's great. Um, I've just taken some notes there and, and written that myself. I'm just about to start my own new venture and business. And um, it's really important, I guess, to just look at your budget. And, and it actually reminds me, I was in Japan uh, a couple of years ago, and um, we sort of forcibly, not forcibly, we, we naturally sort of became minimalists by moving to Japan. We got rid of all of our stuff. And I remember jogging one day and I was just going, you know what, this is, this is all we need. We've got enough to get by. We've got enough to do what we want. Um, at that time in our lives anyway. And um, it's, it's really sort of pleasing and, and clarifying moment in life, I think, to, to have that realization, uh, which sounds like what you had out in the water that day. Yeah, I, I think it's freeing because I think a lot of us start working for ourselves because we want the freedom to make choices instead of working for a business where we don't have that autonomy or freedom. But then we end up making a business that gives us less freedom, even though we started out thinking, like, I want to work for myself because I want to have more freedom. And then we end up running it the way business has always been run. And I think that we're, we're doing ourselves and our businesses a disservice when that's the case. Yeah, so it's not always about scaling and, and being a mega company and, and busier, 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 but rather creating a more of a lifestyle business, would you call it? 
Well, I think every business is a lifestyle business. Every job that you do gives you a lifestyle. Like if you work for the man or the corporation, your butt is in a chair nine to five, Monday to Friday. If you work for a high growth startup or Elon Musk, you're working 80 plus hours a week and sleeping on a couch in your office like he does. So I think every business is a lifestyle business, whether we want it to be or not. So I think if we work for ourselves, then we get to determine the lifestyle that we want to have with the business, which I think like, that's why I work for myself. Like that's why it's, it's more work to work for yourself, but it can, if you do it right, give you that freedom of responsibility. If you stay lean and small to be able to make decisions, to have the freedom to make decisions even for Mm. what's right and what isn't. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to just sort of clarify what is enough and, and what that actually means. Because I think like you said, we, we create our lifestyles, yeah, and then we find ourselves either working more or working harder in our business um, to continue this kind of lifestyle that we're living. But perhaps sometimes we haven't really thought about whether that's the right lifestyle for us. And, and what I see a lot is people go out there and work and then we start consuming and buying more stuff and trying to keep up with the Joneses and having all this this stuff and things and to-do lists that perhaps aren't absolutely necessary and actually not important or meaningful to us as, as well. And um, certainly that's the experience I had when I was in Japan is, is really realizing that I didn't need all that stuff. I didn't need all those things to do um, to, to live a happy and content life. Um, so can you sort of clarify a little bit more about that and maybe how we even assess what is enough for us personally? Yeah, and I think that that kind of is the case with with our society or with consumerism in general is we end up not taking we end up not taking home more money typically because we make more and then we spend more and then we make more and then we spend more and then we're, we have this stress of responsibility of like I have this huge mortgage or these fancy cars or all of these things when you don't actually have to spend more if you make more money you can't like when when my wife and I moved to the island that we live on we took nothing except a few camping things with us and lived basically like we were camping in the in the house that we got and we were like do we even need to bring all of the stuff we had in our condo from the city here? And the answer was kind of no. And I think the the less responsibility and stress you have from these things, especially these material things, then it's just freeing. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to stress out about money if I'm spending less every month. And I don't necessarily like, I don't want to live like a monk, but if I evaluate things in my life and see like, well, this isn't giving me happiness. This isn't giving me joy. This isn't something like, I don't need a 60 inch TV versus a 20 inch. I don't actually need a TV at all. (laughs) Most things stream on computers now anyways. So I think if we evaluate that, if we evaluate enough, it makes more sense. And for me, it's always, I always consider three things. I always consider how much is enough, how will I know when I've reached it and what will change if I do. And if I don't have a good answer to the last question, then I know I don't need more of anything. I don't need, maybe it's profit, maybe it's um, audience, maybe it's like television and cars. Like if nothing good will change, if I get more in my life, then why am I working towards it? And the answer is usually like, don't. (laughs) How about you don't work towards it because you don't need to, because Mm. you don't need more. So what was that formula? So knowing, sorry, just knowing what is enough. How much, yeah, how much is enough? How will I know when I've reached it? Uh, which talks the upper bounds, and then how what will change when I do reach enough? Hmm. Can you give us an example? 
Yeah. So in, in business, my favorite example of that is, uh, is my mailing list. So it needed, and in business, we pretty much all need to adopt a growth mindset right at the beginning. Cause we all need to go from zero to something we need to go. We need to make some money in our business. But so my mailing list, I needed to grow it. And my mailing list is what generates all the income in my business. So I needed to go from zero to a number that could sustain revenue. But and I send out an email a week, every week. It's called the Sunday Dispatches. So an email goes out every Sunday. So that makes sense. And I get a couple hundred replies from people. And I talk to those people. And these are my audience, my customers. I like to learn from them. It's useful to, for me as a business person to learn from them. If my list grew like 10 times or 100 times past that, I wouldn't have just a few hundred replies out of thousands or, or more than that. And I wouldn't be able to interact with my audience. I wouldn't be able to learn from them. I wouldn't be able to see what they need help with that my business could do for them. So it would actually be detrimental to my business if I just kept thinking, well, maybe I just need more. Maybe I just need more. And if I didn't think about what enough was, then I wouldn't, then I would just keep growing my business. Because I think enough is kind of the counterbalance or the antithesis of this unchecked growth that like the business world kind of pushes us towards. Hmm. So really assessing, well, understanding, you know, what you're focusing on at the moment, but um, how to measure what is enough, I suppose, is, is the critical mm-hmm. point there. And when it becomes a point of going beyond that, that becomes uh, less effective to that sort of the goals of your lifestyle or whatever it might be, or the goals of your business. Exactly. Like if I grew my business bigger than it is now, then I would have more responsibility. I'd probably have to manage people. I don't actually like managing people. I may not be able to take time off on a Wednesday because it's sunny and I live in a rainforest and it's never sunny. So if it's sunny, I want to go for a bike ride or go for a hike or surf or something. And so I'm always thinking about like, what's the obligate, like every opportunity I think comes with uh, a debt or Mm, an obligation attached Mm. to it. Yeah. And so if you don't consider that, then you're, you might end up in a place that you don't actually want to be in with, with the work that you do or with the life that you have. So I think always thinking about like, well, what's the back end cost of, of this opportunity that's presented to me? Mm, knowing the cost of the opportunity, yeah, that's a good point. And um, just quickly, what, what sort of business are you running? Um, I sell, well, I write books. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, the big one right now. I also sell online courses and software as a service, so SaaS products. Okay, great. Yeah. And um, do you like company of one? Is it is it for a particular type of person? Um, you know, setting up a business, going out on your own. A lot of people talk about this. I don't think everyone's made to to run a business or be an entrepreneur or anything like that. Um, what are your thoughts around you know having a company of one? Yeah, I I agree. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. I think if you like to do the work that you do and don't want to do all the other aspects of business around it, then it doesn't make sense to work for yourself. Hmm. Because if I'm, say, a designer and I don't want to deal with accounting sales (laughs) or marketing, then I'm just going to go work for somebody else and my day is filled with design. But if I want to do more than that, then it makes sense to be an entrepreneur. And I think the the title of the book, Company of One, is more of a mindset than uh, than to be taken literally. Like I don't have a, my company isn't one person. But the fact that I challenge the idea that growth is the only byproduct of success 
is the kind of mindset of a company of one. So even throughout the book, I, I list businesses that sell physical products that are maybe five or six people. There's a bunch of software businesses like Basecamp or Buffer that are 30 to 70 people that I think are really good examples of companies of one. And they're really just businesses that that put customers and profit above growth because it's really hard to be a growth-centric business and be a profitable business profitable business at the same time. Hmm. And I don't think that growth is necessarily always the best thing. And even in the research and the data in the book pretty much shows that, that the growth can be the, the worst thing that a business can do. Yeah. But even when you talk about, um, you know, growth and, and your then ability to serve your customer, obviously as Mm -hmm. you grow, that becomes uh, a challenge if you're not managing it uh, really well. Yeah. I mean, I, I always like retent, I always like to focus on, um, retention over acquisition because I would rather serve uh, a smaller audience really well and repeatedly than have to keep adding more and more people. Like it costs more money. It takes more time. It's a lot more work to just keep adding new people and to keep acquiring people where there's already people who bought from you. They already trust you enough to give you money for something. Why don't you just keep making things for those people because they are, they already trust you. It's just basically a, a binary. Yes, Yes or no, do you want this new thing that I've made for you? Hmm. As opposed to like, I have to tell you what I do. I have to really pitch you on this idea. I have to build some trust with you and rapport. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, so going back to enough, I mean, is, is the book really trying to help the reader understand what it is they want from their business that they're setting up? Yes, 100%. Because I think that success is deeply personal. I think we're kind of shown in the news and in the media and in like the entrepreneurial paradigm that like success looks a certain way and successful business people act and are a certain way. And I don't think that's the case. Hmm. Like there's no, I like to tell, there's no answers in the book because I, I don't have the answers for you. I don't know what success looks like for you, the, the reader or the listener. But what the book does is help you ask the right questions to determine what that is for you. That's probably so there's good, no good first question is understanding <laughs> and defining what success is to you as an individual. Exactly, because it's so personal. And if we chase somebody else's version of success, at best we end up with their life, and at worst we failed at something we probably didn't even want. Neither of those seem like a very very good scenario to be in for me. Hmm. What is your definition of success? Freedom. I want to be able to make decisions uh, in my life. So I love my work and I I do like to work, but I also like to not work. And I don't want to be in a position where it's like, oh, I have to go out and find like a hundred new customers this month to support like office expenses or like 15 employees or like, I just want to, if I keep it small and lean, then I have more freedom to decide like, do I want to work with this person or not? Do I want to add a new feature or not to a product? Do I want to teach another course? Do I want to take three months off and go surfing? Hmm. Like I, I like freedom is such a bit like that's why I work for myself. Yeah. It is more work to be an entrepreneur, but it's worth it for me because I can set my life up in a way where I have the, the least amount of responsibility and the most amount of freedom with the work that I do and still generate a profit, serve my audience well and, and keep things keep things going into the future. Yeah, I mean, even that word freedom, it sort of comes down to individual interpretation, doesn't 
hundred percent. I mean, you could, you could argue that there's, there's no free will. So are any of us even free? Right. Like if if we get philosophical about it, but I think for me, freedom is just the ability to make choices and not have my hand forced with, with choices in my business and in my life. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. So what is it with this whole, um, like, why do we go out there, start businesses, and then just want this continued level of growth? Is it greed? Is it just because that's what we're conditioned that we need to be doing? Um, is it because we haven't become clear on what exactly our business goals are? Yeah, I think it's definitely um, societal factors, but I do think a lot of it comes down to ego. Mm. And I think that ego is, isn't is always a bad, like, a lot of there's a lot of negative connotations with ego, but I think... If we're working for ourselves, we need ego to start. We, be, If we're going to start our own business, we believe that we can do better than what exists in the market currently. Yeah. So we need ego to start, which is a good thing. And I think that it, that's beneficial to us and to customers because we, we hope that we can serve them better. But where ego fails us is when we start to, when, when envy starts to affect it. Or when, like, keeping up with the Joneses, but in, like, the, the business sense. Or when we think oh, our business will seem more legitimate if we have uh, a physical office or more employees or locations in six countries. Or, like, at a dinner party, if somebody asks me, like, what my business looks like, for me, like, I sit in my sweatpants in, my, in a bedroom in my house and work. And I love that. But mm-hmm. it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound great. But if I said, oh, I have 1,000 employees and 16 offices in, in eight countries... That sounds better, and that might boost my ego or my social standing. But Come like the status, yeah, hmm. yeah. But like, do I want to run my business so it looks good for other people, or do I want to run my business so it makes me feel good and makes me makes me happy and makes me feel like I have that freedom that I think I do? Do you think there's a bit of a movement in that direction? Like, I I, I feel that there's more and more people going out there, and I don't know what that buzz was then. Uh, more and more people going out there and um, you know, living that sort of lifestyle business and not really doing what everyone else is doing, doing their own thing so they can you know, have the freedom that they desire, so they can go surfing or whatever it might be. Yeah, 100%. I think they're, it's, it's the worst pun ever, but I think that the like no growth or slow growth movement is growing. Like I think that there are people... Um, like there, are even, even in books like calm company by Jason Fried and David Hennemeyer Hansen, uh, the one person, $1 million business by Elaine Pofield, small giants by Bo Burlingham. There is like the, it seems like the, the paradigm is shifting and I think it's shifting back as mm. well. I think that commerce for us has always been small, interconnected, durable businesses and then big corporations showed up on the scene only about 100 years ago. And we all assume that this is the way that things are done. Like you grow to a big business, you take over, you dominate. And that's not the way that it's, it, that's a, such a tiny blip on the radar of human commerce that I think we can go back to sort of the way things were, but with technology to, to, to really help things out and to push things along much more efficiently. Yeah, sometimes there's a couple of questions I have um, before we wrap this up. Number one is, um, what are the what are the key challenges that you think most people will face when they're creating these these smaller businesses and operations? Um, and number two, how does their environment, government, etc., affect their ability to sustain that level of freedom and lifestyle that they desire while staying small? Yeah, so I think the challenges is that um, it, it is bucking a social norm, and it is 
like I, for the long, I've run my business for 20 years. And in the beginning, especially people were like, I don't understand why you're not growing. Like you're so busy that you could hire six people and they would all be busy. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) And that's definitely a, a, a big problem. I think also things like loneliness, like if you work for yourself, it can, it can kind of be lonely, but I think we can get around that by like, I have like groups that I'm part of. I have people that I get coffee with. I have people that I virtually get coffee with around the world just to talk and go through, go through, um, like ideas and to share and to communicate with each other. Um, so I think those are definitely the challenges. Like, I don't think any road, the other thing is that not all people are suited for it. Like, like we talked about, not everybody's suited to be an entrepreneur. Not every, not every business is suited to be small. It's like if Airbnb had two properties that you could rent, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work in the market. Like if there's only two houses around the world to rent, they wouldn't exist. So every business I think does need to grow to an organic size, logical size. Mm. And not every bit like that business needs to be slightly bigger to, to make sense. Um, and then the, was the second question about government, um, yeah, what are the um, – because often we hear that, you know, small businesses is very restricted by government and this is, you know, why it's better to scale and, and all the big corporations are coming in and, and, you know, knocking the small guys out. So I suppose that yeah. presents a pretty big threat. Um, well, I think competition, no. Like I think the the market domination, like one of my software products competes with Google Analytics, which is the biggest product on the market for what it does. But we go after a very niche audience that's the opposite, that's privacy and GDPR focused, which yeah. is not something Google's ever going to do. So I, they don't even know that we exist, and that's fine. And we're lean enough that we can generate like four or five figures a month and be wildly profitable with just a tiny sliver of the market. And that's enough for us. Hmm. I mean, the government side of things is different for every country, but like... There's ways, even the Canadian government has completely changed how, which is where I live, completely changed how small business can work in terms of like saving money in your business, like putting money in index funds, um, income splitting with your partner and a few other things. And there's definitely like, we're just at the whim of what our government is. But I think if we can kind of, and governments typically don't like small businesses. Like that's, that's kind of what I found. Everybody that I talked to is like, oh, my government hates it. I wish I lived somewhere else. I'm like, it's exactly the same everywhere else. But as long as you're generating, as long as you're taking into account things like taxes or things like changes when you're building your plan to, to generate revenue and to, to have profit and margins, then I think you can, you can do things that, that make sense. Like I can have higher margins because I have less expenses and some of that is going to be taken up by the government, but it still leaves me enough of the pie at the end of the day where I have enough to like pay my mortgage. Leaves you enough to live the lifestyle you desire. Yeah, exactly. What starting a business and, um, I suppose sustaining a small business, what are the top three pieces of advice you'd give um, anyone out there listening that might be looking to do the same, including myself, I'm about to start my own business again. (laughs) Yeah, I think the first thing is define what success is to you, because like we talked about, success is different for everyone. I think working, the market no longer supports untrustworthy businesses at any size. So I think thinking about how you can build trust into your brand, your authority, and your solution, the product or service you're selling, is pretty much the most important thing. Like the only reason my business makes money is because people trust me enough to give me money. Mm. Um, and then the third thing I would say is that always look for the, the simplest solution to every problem 
And simple doesn't mean easy. I, a lot of times simple is the opposite of easy. But if we have things like simple processes, simple systems, simple ways to manage things, then we can move faster. We, can, we, can, we don't have to look at like a 30-page report to look at how to do something. We can just remember like, hey, these are the four steps that I take to do something. And then work towards building everything that you have to do more than one time. If you have a simple process, then you can make it replicable and then you only have to worry about the creative stuff. You don't have to worry about the, the tedious stuff of like, how did I do this? How did I like add my newsletter to MailChimp? Or how did I like mm. publish a blog post? It just like have si- simplicity always works in the long term, even though it can take a bit more work in the beginning to make things simple. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Good advice, mate. Look, thank you um, for sharing. And I'm sure there's a lot more in the book that we'll take away. So want to just encourage the audience to grab a copy. I'll stick the link in the show notes for this episode. Um, so check it out at thehiddenwhy.com. Company of one. While, while, sorry, why staying small is the next big thing. Uh, Paul, any any last words? How can people best uh, reach out to you and find out about more of what you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really on social media, so my newsletter is the best way to keep in touch. And that's if you Google Paul Jarvis or go to pjrvs.com, which nobody remembers, so just Google Paul Jarvis. Um, My mailing list is pretty much the only thing you can do other than read on my website. Cool. We'll stick it in the show notes, guys. Check it out, thehiddenwire.com. Paul, again, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. All the best with the book launch as well. Thanks. Cheers. Until next time, guys, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwhy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Why, click the Ratings and Reviews button, and leave me a short message, plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Arnoldsey. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.